2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Yeah, here we go again on a hump day edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. That's me or you. Happy December. siempre. We are in it. We're in it to win it. Can you believe it's December? That's the way it always is. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's June. I can't believe it's August. I really can't believe it's December, though. Remember these, uh, I don't know. It, it seemed like 2020 dragged and 2021 has flown by. And we're still wearing masks and now there's a new variant Ooh. <clears throat> like there's gonna be new variants forever you know i'm at the point like i saw chris de stefano the comedian he's like you know i in the beginning march 2020 i'm like mask up at this point i'm just <laughs> I'm so sick of it I, I just uh i don't know and the media is always gonna make i mean listen All right, why don't we talk sports? Let's do that. And the great thing about me is I'm saying, you know, I'll talk about any sport you would like. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quitter, rollerball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket, all that stuff under one roof. At the toll-free line, 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. That gets you in and gets you heard. Wherever you might happen to be listening in this great land of ours and so-so foreign lands, remember, we are on the American Forces Radio Network. Also on the internet at sportsbyline.com. Go there, click listen live. Any emails to me, send those to rick at sportsbyline.com. I actually heard an ad the other day on the radio, and the guy was saying, what you need to do is go to www. and started spelling it out. I'm like, we don't really do that anymore, but I guess the guy hadn't really caught on yet. It's like you need to go to http colon backslash backslash like ah. all right one right, play you know what's up I know what's up Finesse Mitchell on the other side Louis Katz in studio Eric Swanson we got a big show you don't want to miss it the Twitter's at Rick Tittle by the way so come on back y'all
4: trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you.
5: 5G is here, but the big carriers want you to sign a pricey long-term contract to get access. Well, not anymore, because Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, with plans starting at just $35 a month and no contract. Plus, get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for $299, all on America's best networks. 5G coverage, 5G phones, less money. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary.
6: Eight hundred three zero six
1: one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero. that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty. 1760
3: All right. uh, Thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It always sounds better when I say and around. You can't just say and around the world. I mean, you could just takes kind of the uh, the um, the sketch that Dana Carvey used to do about Mickey Rooney. I was the biggest star in the world. You hear me? The world. And uh apparently that was true because Dana Carvey worked with him. That's all they ever said. There is the biggest star in the world. You hear me? The world. So that's what I say when you when you say the world, you gotta make it you gotta make it count. All right. Uh, as they say we're efforting is that a is that a a verb? We're efforting to get to uh, finesse Mitchell on the horn and uh when we do we'll uh we'll throw them on in there but uh you know all eyes are on the baseball world uh right now as we uh we'll see if there is a lockout uh or not and uh there are uh reports that they are talking right now they're talking yes indeed they're talking the uh union according to ESPN's uh Jesse Rogers has thrown out uh, five points here. Free agency at age 29 and a half or after five years of service time, whichever comes first. Uh, that's one. Players become arbitration eligible after two seasons rather than free, three, which is the same thing as five years of service time. Expanded 12-team postseason with leagues realigned to two divisions each this is what the players want now two more things luxury tax threshold raised from 210 million to 240 million <clears throat> and then advertising patches on uniforms very interesting um you know money is going to determine this as we know it is a 10 billion dollar a year um Excursion, if you like, and um, rule changes are some other things as well. But apparently, they still want to. Um, you know, th- th- these are all leverage points. Now, you, in any negotiation, and I obviously am not a professional negotiator, but in any negotiation, even if you're buying a, a house or a car, and I've bought um, more than one of each of those um it's not really a system of uh going to some kind of bazaar not bizarre, but bazaar and uh haggling i'll give you this if you give me that but in this case it is so you have to say all right what what is it right now i mean i guess the closest we would get to it is if you're selling some heap of junk car and all you really want for it is 5 grand and you're coming in hot going i need at least 9500 they're like 9500 this car's worth 3000 3000 this car's worth at least 8 or why don't we just say 6500 oh, no all right and you're happy cuz you get 15 more and then the other guy's happy because he thinks oh he started off at 9 i got him down to 65 see see how it works everybody's happy kind of sorta so free agency at 29 and a half or at five years of service time. Now, what does the 29 and a half mean? Well, I look at a guy like Stephen Vogt, right? How old was he when he got to the big leagues? I think he was 27 or 28, I think, when he finally got to the big leagues. So would he be a free agent after two years in the bigs? Under this, he would be one. And I don't think uh, owners are going to like that. But in the long run, they don't care about Stephen vote the union, because how many of the Stephen Vogts are there? Less than 10, right, every year that get to the big leagues that late? So that what they can say is now, and I'm already doing the negotiations for them, what they can say is, look, you're killing us by taking that 29-and-a-half-age thing off the table, but, oh, all right, you give us five years instead. So then they get their five years, and the owners think, ooh, we avoided that thing. See, it's all how it works. It's all how it works in the wash. So, uh, okay, we're going to get Finesse Mitchell in the uh, next segment, apparently. Um, but, you know, in these negotiations, and, and look, to say that it's unlikely is correct. It is unlikely. But on the other hand, there's nothing that could say they couldn't get this done because you know how long we've known about this? Years do you know that during the regular season, I realize that there are things going on like pennant races and regular season games and bobblehead giveaways. I know this isn't like first and foremost, but if you're Tony Clark, the head of the union, and you're Rob Manfred, you can't back burner this until the end of the World Series. They had some chats during the season, some chats. We've been, you know, kept abreast of it. Um, advertising patches on uniforms. Who has that? <clears throat> well, soccer was the first one. You know, I remember uh, the first time I got a Tottenham jersey, it was 1990, and it said Holston on it. And I go, so did the name of the team is Holston? No. That's a German beer. Well, why would it say it on the stomach? Like It's, it's a big billboard. It's advertising. Oh, is it? You look at the NBA. You know, who the hell ever heard of Rakuten until the Warriors signed a $12 jillion deal or whatever it was, right? And all the other weird, <clears throat> crazy, you know, Bumble is a dating app. but These are all up on the little strap on your uh, tank top, right? And then you look at race car drivers and you don't see the forest for the trees, right? Because there's a million patches, do you see any of those? I don't see any of those. You have to, like, maybe stand right in front of the guy to see any of them. So the expanded 12-team postseason, that's something. But the realignment to two divisions, that's how it was not that long ago. I mean, it was like that in the 90s. You know, I mean, the American League West, uh, some of the rivals of my team, the A's, were the Twins and the Royals and the White Sox. For some reason, the city of Atlanta was in the West in both, in both football and baseball. They were in the NL West, and they were in the NFC West, which I've never— I mean, listen, sometimes these things happen, but, I mean, it makes no sense. But uh, that would what this would do with two divisions is it would mean that you wouldn't get a stinky division winner automatically going. You know what I mean? Instead of like, so you might have two wild card teams that are better than the winner of, say, the Central. Let's say the Indians, sorry, let's say the Guardians win the Central in the American League. And and by the way, if I say Redskins or Indians, it's not because I'm racist. It's because uh, I'm more than 50 years in on those names. It's going to take me a minute. I still say Baltimore Colts. I'm trying. I correct myself. But let's say the Guardians win the Central, right? And they have a worse record than three other teams, like the Blue Jays and, let's say, the Mariners and the A's, right? But one of those teams doesn't get to go because, yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing there. So, there's nothing that's nuts, Um you know, I haven't seen. I mean, the luxury tax threshold means more guys will get paid, which means more teams won't try to cry cheap, like, oh, we don't want to go over. We don't want to go over. It's raising it by 30 million. That's a pretty significant percentage from 210 to 240. But I don't see anything here about television contracts and the percentage of money coming there. That's the thing I would think that the owners would be most petrified of. I don't see anything here, according to ESPN. So this doesn't seem as impossible as they're making it in my mind all right we'll talk about it and we got finesse mitchell coming in on the other side so we'll take a quick break come on back
5: Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789.
1: 944 1789 That's 800-944-1789.
10: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right, whatever works, say thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated nationally out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. You know we love the comedians. We can get them in studio here in town or get them on the horn, and uh, we got one on the phone right now. It's Finesse Mitchell, and uh, he is going to be at the Chicago Improv. That's in Schaumburg, Illinois, and he's got a, a weekend run starting Uh, tomorrow night finesse uh welcome to the show man what's it like getting back out there and 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 doing the clubs again after doing a a year of i don't know were you doing zooms or park shows rooftops what were you getting up to
12: man i wasn't doing anything i definitely wasn't doing zoom because i said no way i'm bombing at my
3: house
12: (laughs) so uh, i stayed away from that but uh in l.a where I live, we definitely have, uh, we had some, we had a lot of COVID-friendly places to perform. So, you know, big shout out to all the local comedians in L.A. and some of the promoters who were keeping it open and keeping it safe during that time where we could go out and, um, you know, perform in front of like 40, 50 people outside, you know. But so I kept it, I kept it gives you knife shark. I'll put it to you that way. And uh, Chicago's in for a treat this weekend. I'm getting ready to shoot my one-hour special here in L.A. by the top of the year. And so, man, I'm excited, bro, because the material is really hot. And uh, that's all a a good crowd can ask for, a good comedian, you know?
3: Now, congratulations on the special. And how were you able to hone it? Because, you know, normally you go out on the road and you tweak it, you get everything just right. But just with the limited stuff you were able to do, you you're able to get your hour uh, sharpened, huh?
12: Absolutely, man. I mean, all you need is like two kids and a wife that you hold hostage at the (laughs) kitchen table. (laughs) You wait till you get a chuckle. And when Uh you get that chuckle, you know it's funny because they don't want to laugh at all. You know what I mean? Um, But other than that, you know, I had been doing some jokes right before COVID. That was really fire, right? And then, next thing I know, COVID happened. So I had all that material, and then I had the material that I made up and wrote during COVID because, you know, we were just sitting around with nothing to do so uh yeah man it's ready you know i just got through with uh san diego uh i left san francisco Cobb comedy club last weekend the very famous Cobbs comedy club uh i was there last weekend and now you know chicago is next
3: hitting all the big cities you know I, I gotta tell you this uh as a big snl fan but two nights ago i was getting a burrito and uh my friend was like what'd you get in it? And I said shrimp. Then I was like, I'm Starkeisha. It's my birthday up in here. Y'all got shrimp. I can't hear shrimp and not go into Starkeisha.
12: Hilarious, bro, man. The funniest thing about Starkeisha is that I was doing it when, um, you know, I was doing it as a comedy bit. And then next thing I know, uh, I'm doing it in full in full character on stage. You know, well, at the weekend update deck is when we actually debuted Starkeisha. Yeah. Um, out of uniform. And then, out of uniform.
8: <laughs>
13: but
12: then, uh, <laughs> but then um, next thing I know, Halle Berry is the host of my second show. And then I'm in full Starkeisha garb. <laughs> it's like, all right, wig, nails, lipstick, this one found me attractive two days ago, and now <laughs> I'm her girlfriend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I gotta say you were not passable. I could tell you were a man. <laughs>
12: <laughs> Hilarious.
3: No, it's it's uh, it's one of those characters that just uh, it 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 sticks with me, you know. And I remember I had Rob Riggle He did Leviticus one time, just the character at the Weekend Update desk. And I always think, you know, you should make a movie about this. Did anybody try to make a Starkeisha movie?
12: No, man. I didn't even... Um, the closest I came to that was Adam Sandler, uh offered me a role in the movie The Longest Yard. You remember that movie? Oh, yeah. The remake, sure. Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was supposed to play uh, the cheerleader. <laughs> the, the, the role that Tracy Morgan played. And so... Um, and so... Uh, I was like, ah, no, I already do Starkeisha at SNL. You know, I don't want to come out in a movie and do the same character. <laughs> then that's all people are going to think I do. Right. And I couldn't do it. And then Tracy did it. And then he came up to me later after he did it like, Finesse, I had to do it. I mean, it was a winning team. It was <laughs> Burt Reynolds. It was Sadler. It was Rock. I couldn't pass it up. I was like, yeah, okay, I could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it up
3: uh, you sound exactly like him. And um uh, I also remember the Morgan Freeman too. You nailed that one.
12: I love Morgan Freeman. I love Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and Morgan Freeman loves me.
14: <laughs> you know At
3: uh,
12: nine I think about counting all the moles on Morgan Freeman's <laughs> face. No, well, I'm just
3: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> I, I just think those are dark freckles. Those ain't moles, are they,
12: bro? Those are those are those are asteroids. <laughs> those are mole asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> They're all floating. None of them are stationary. <laughs> they all move on his face.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, I know some comedians who made fun of OJ once he got out. They were like, "Uh oh, I got to make sure I don't do that anymore." OJ ain't contacted you, has he?
12: No, man, but I heard he's still cutting up.
3: <laughs> oh, no.
12: <laughs> yeah, man. I heard nobody let him carve nothing on Thanksgiving.
3: He wasn't making them a... Did They he... gave
12: him all plastic utensils.
3: <laughs> so he, did he make a jack-o'-lantern? <laughs> I
12: don't know. <laughs> they, 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 they made him wear uh, oven mitt entire time and uh gave him classic utensils. So
3: So
14: when
12: OJ you... Simpson and I'm and all I could think was A, super sweet guy, nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's very charismatic of course. Everybody knows that. Right. Um but his head is so huge. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, it was pit bulls like envious. They were just like that's not fair. Right. I mean, this I... man's head was
3: now, I remember the late, great Charlie Murphy. is like, damn, O.J. got a big head.
12: <laughs> he does, man. He does. That's, that's true. Sweet guy. Huge head.
3: So, uh, you know, I have noticed since the pandemic that comedy fans, much like myself, were just so, you know, just so eager to get back and laugh again. But then again, a lot of people, they don't know how to behave in a comedy club. So how has it been with hecklers and, and how do you usually handle the hecklers?
12: I will not tell you a lie. I usually do not have hecklers at my show. I'm mm-hmm. I'm funny from beginning to end. Like, if I'm going to give you an hour, I'm funny for an hour. If I'm going to give you only 45 minutes, you're holding yourself for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. But hecklers don't have time. You have to be just like, you have to be wasted. You have to be escorted out to be a heckler at my show. Because you're too busy having a good time. But if you if you're drunk then you just think the whole moment is about you or whatever and and i i have noticed though there have been a lot of karen sightings (laughs) popping up all over comedy (laughs) clubs thinking that that is the place to stick their flag in the ground right and uh you know shout out what they believe in and i just want people to really just chill out and take a break because you come to a comedy show to laugh you don't come to critique and judge and all, almost 99% of the material is made up. You know, it, it's written. It, it's designed to either offend, make you laugh, but what's going on a lot is that once the, once the rabbit gun is aimed at a certain group of people, if that person has thin skin... Even though they were laughing for 45 minutes, that black joke, and yeah. white people can't dance jokes, right. and Asian people do this joke, <laughs> when they got to a certain, when it got to them, they were like, oh, well, that's not funny. And, you know, and you're lame. You're whack if you do that, people. Yeah. You're whack if you come to a comedy club just to disagree mm-hmm. with the comedian. Yeah, because a, you laugh for 45 minutes, and then for one minute you said something you didn't like.
3: It's a very narcissistic thing to do, there's no doubt. Before we let you go, since this is a sports talk show, what would what would Stephen A. Smith say about the city of Chicago?
12: Oh, oh, you got it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? First of all, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers pretending to be vaccinated. Nothing happened. Meanwhile, Kyrie... Irving is the poster child, the poster child for
2: being misleading, being
12: a being a, a sucker. Are you kidding me? We're going to let him up <laughs> Chicago, I pray for Chicago all the time because not only do they have people looting the Louis Vuitton store downtown, but they can't win a football
3: game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You played for the U, didn't you?
12: Brother, I played for the University of Miami. I hope we get this coaching hire right. Um, I love Manny Diaz, but then I'm also open to a Lane Kiffin or a Mario Cristobal from Oregon because as we've proven, the the Hurricanes, that's a Maserati, and you have to be able to drive it.
3: You know, we just
12: haven't been able to find the right people to drive that car.
3: It is true, but I'll just say this. Just from I knew him with his time with the Raiders, Lane Kiffin is a little punk ass. I don't think you want him.
12: You know what? I don't know why a lot of people are high on Lane, but I do know offensively he's a good coach. Sometimes, you know, when you have success, you can't help but be arrogant. And I think that happens with the old and the Lane Kittens and the, you know, Urban Myers. Sometimes you just can't tell them anything because it's, you're so insulated as a coach that even when you're messing up, you think it's okay, <laughs> you know? No doubt. And so.
3: All right, well, anyway, I'm sorry, i got to run. Finesse Mitchell, Chicago Improv, Schaumburg, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. Finesse, thanks for coming by, man.
12: Oh, man, thank you guys for having me. I loved it.
3: All right, good stuff. Check me out
12: on Instagram, at Finesse Mitchell. There it is. And And Facebook. And Twitter. And Twitter, Finesse
3: Mitchell. (laughs) All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: 800-817-2968, 800-817-2968, 800-817-2968. That's
17: 800-817-2968. You spent over a decade in the Middle East, and I just wanted to say that I'm a great fan of your work. Well, thank you I, very much I, Don't that. interrupt me, please. Thank you.
8: <laughs> what did I just say, Do you? Know
11: You must be crazy. Use a D.O.G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: That's elaborate. Thank you for that. By the way, Louis Katz is going to come in studio with us in about a half hour. Really funny comedian who went to Cal. He's a New York comedian now. And uh, I think he should be bigger. Rick, you can't help that he's short. No, no, no. I mean more famous. There are just certain guys for whatever it is. I mean, look, he's been on TV. He's been on late nights. It's not like he's not a success. He's headlining the punchline for Pete's sake. I just think he should be bigger. You know, over the years, a lot of comedians have come in here as punchline headliners, but nationally as nobodies, and now they're so big they don't have to do press anymore. They don't have to because they sell out and they add shows. Sam Murill did three shows a couple Saturdays ago. A 4.30, a 7.30, and a 9.30. Unreal. But Sam came in. Mark Norman came in four times. Bobby Lee came in a bunch of times. Uh, Nikki Glazer came in twice. They're all automatic sellouts now. So I'm just saying, Louis Katz... Should be at least on his way to that. All right. We had the penultimate college football uh, rankings put out last night. And it's funny because the last college football rankings will be Saturday night. So there's just five days in between. Michigan jumped up to two after beating Ohio State. Georgia, of course, is number one. Um, Alabama is at three and uh, Cincinnati is at four, but don't get too comfortable there, Bearcats. Because the big winner here, and it might not look like it today, is Oklahoma State. Because a win over Baylor, no matter how it looks, whether it's by one point or they blow them out by 40, if they beat Baylor, they will jump Cincinnati to get into the top four. Because Cincinnati is not playing number nine Baylor. And so the CFP selection committee chair, Gary Barta, said on the telecast that they found it difficult to separate Alabama, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. So if the Pokes, as they're known, the Cow Pokes, if they beat Baylor again for the second time, That would be more than enough to jump a Bearcats team that's going to, if they do beat Houston, which has won 11 games in a row in the AAC championship game, Houston is no slouch, as I mentioned, but they're number 21. Even if Georgia loses and there's only one spot available, Mike Gundy's crew is going to get the nod. So the combination of a more difficult conference championship game and a tremendous closing argument for a team that has been flying under the radar all season is getting the job done. Plus, does the committee really want to put a group of five team in the playoffs? No, they don't. So the losers, well, there are more winners than losers. Let's get to a loser, and that's Notre Dame. As if losing your coach that was there for 12 years, the winningest one in your history, no national championships, but the most wins. That was a gut punch, and it was another gut punch when they got jumped by Oklahoma State. Now, Kelly has not only have to deal with the head-to-head loss to Cincy, but those Cowboys as well. Notre Dame does not get to present a closing argument because they're done playing outside of a bowl or a playoff. They're done because they're not in a conference. They were last year out of necessity, but not anymore and Gary Barta said this week didn't apply because games had occurred and evaluated based on those games once the championship games wrap up the protocol does include the ability for the committee to consider a player coach not being available should that have effect on the outcome of the game that could be considered at that point we'll have to see and wait how that factors in in other words Notre Dame saying but our coach left let's go to uh, New York City and we got Charlie what's going on Charlie
15: Hey, Rick, I, I know you're talking college football, but can I throw some professional sports at you for a minute? Nah, give me. All right, well, uh, we're, we're, we're going to lose Olsen, and we'll probably lose Manaya and Bassett and all these other guys, but all's right in the world when we're bringing back Kemp and Pender. <laughs> Pender. And uh, I'm looking forward to the day where they're starting in the outfield along with uh, uh, Gardner. from the. You know the, you know the A's are going to sign Gardner because he's a has-been outfielder now. Um anyway that, that that's my comment. You mean
3: that 40-year-old little bald guy from the Yankees?
15: I guarantee you the A's. Oh, gosh.
3: I guarantee
15: you. Oh. I, I he's going to be starting center fielder for the A's next year. Um or left field, wherever where wherever. Uh that's a typical A's move. Mm-hmm. Um uh, last night, Warriors. Uh, I'm not going to get too worked up over it. Uh, Phoenix played unbelievably well on defense. Uh, I've never in my 10 or 11 years of watching Curry or however long he's been in the league that he shot multiple air balls in a game. Yeah. Um, and and I think this team will obviously be different with Clay, assuming he stays healthy and he, and he can play at maybe an 80% level. So I'm not I'm not putting too much weight into the last night's game. Uh, do you think they would have benefited with Wiseman on the court yesterday, with uh, the way Aiton was just dominating in the paint?
3: No, I mean I, the, the Warriors had a lot of turnovers in that game. Uh, listen, uh,
15: I don't
3: I I, I don't even sorry, know I don't even know if Wiseman would do well on the West Coast Conference right now. I mean he's do I, I don't I don't I would be surprised if he came in and really did anything of note outside of you know give us. Six minutes, three fouls, and three rebounds.
15: Now, I I've read a couple of places that people, uh, what I've read online or in articles, that they compared him to Aiton uh, potentially. Right. But, you know, Aiton struggled the first couple of years. Right. And now he's, he's. Do you see that with Wiseman in a couple of years? Yeah.
3: Well, I I certainly hope so. But you know, he didn't. He played five games in college. What did he play last year? Five games. He just right. he needs yeah. to get some seasoning and this is a team that's trying to win a championship the way they're at 18 and 3 and yeah, sure. it, it, if you come in and you think well Bialicho, is a you know he he passes like Bogut and he's got a nice little shot and then Wiseman's taking minutes from him it's like it's hard to develop him i mean he's he's a guy who I would love to see come in and just dominate and you know and be like Jordan Poole when he gets to year 3 it's like wow this guy's actually good but i just he's not i don't think he's going to get the minutes
15: No, but they do need, I think, before the trading deadline, it doesn't have to be a significant move, but they need some big guy. They need another, because Aiton was like, seemed like he was three feet taller than Looney and and Green. So they need, I don't know who, you know, it doesn't have to be a big, sexy trade, but they need someone big down there. Anyway, uh, last uh, question for football. Did you watch Monday Night Game at all?
3: No.
8: Redskins
15: that. Terrible. terrible. I, nor did I, but I turned on the last five minutes of the game. Uh-huh. So explain this to me, because I, I, I got almost violently angry. The Redskins are up 17-9, to nine, two minutes left. They're at the Seattle four-yard line. It's fourth and goal. They kick a field goal. They're up by 11 with two minutes left. That means Seattle would have to score a touchdown, two-point conversion, get the onside kick and kick a field goal to tie the game. So what does Ron Rivera, who's been in the league forever, what does he do? He goes for it on fourth and goal. <laughs> Why? <laughs> then Seattle proceeds to go down the field and score, and I hate Seattle, but I was actually rooting for Seattle. <laughs> and, 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 and they and it got to within I, You know the two-point conversion. He threw it, and it got knocked away. Why would you like that? why explain to me why he would just not kick the field goal wins the game i and, i can
3: it, i can answer it because dominic just told me the reason their kicker pulled his hammy and he didn't trust the punter to kick
15: but it was from the four yard line
3: <laughs> you could get, get lou you could get lou lou grows at a to super toe it over
15: it's the, it's a 21 yard you're telling me a punter can't kick a 21 yard field goal
3: I agree with you. You know who could kick a 21-yard field goal? You and I could kick one.
15: Exactly. Let me, let me tell I, you
3: I, something. I, I did. I, I went to a thing a couple years ago down at Levi's, uh, the Niners practice facility. Emmett Smith was hosting this Marriott's um, combine uh, for the hotel for all their, their best customers. And as a media guy, they invited me. I kicked a 50-yard field goal at the Niners practice facility.
15: Wow, good for you man good that's you. right I, that's the only
3: way I can brag. There was no pass rush. I mean no one was trying but to I'm kill
15: saying, me I, I can understand <laughs> if the punter was hurt too but the punter kicks you may not <laughs> he may not kick off but it, you, you do, you're telling me a punter can't kick a twenty yard field goal i remember uh, I
3: remember Ray guy came in and kicked a field goal one time.
15: oh I don't remember that yeah I, but but i that's happened where you've seen punters have to do that right i mean Anyway, I that just made me nuts. I that's still not ex, that's not an excuse. Anyway, that's all I got. Rick, I'll keep listening, buddy.
3: Thank you. And and Charlie, I'm with you too as much as I hate Seattle being an old AFC AFC West rival and the horrible Jim Zorn, Efren Herrera, Steve Largent, it uh, makes me throw up just to say those names. But, yeah, you you'd hate to see stupidity rewarded. <clears throat> and I mean, I can understand the panic it's like, you know, I, he probably thought that whatever he did, that it was going to be a turnover, like they were going to block the field goal or whatever. But this is, <clears throat> I'll tell you what else is stupid coaching, is not having a backup kicker. The Raiders, a few years ago, when John Kondo got hurt, they went for it on fourth down the rest of the game because they didn't have a backup long snapper, and that's the one that killed me. Because I I was actually the backup long snapper in college because they're like, we don't have one. We don't know how to do it. And guys would put both hands on the ball, and they thought they'd have to spin it. and They put their full weight. I'm like, look, hold the ball like you're about to pass it. Okay, now go on the ground and just pass it through your legs. You can do it with one hand. And I remember in practice when I showed everybody, look, I can be your backup long snapper. And every time I did it, I would get mauled as soon as I did it. And then my, cor- I had one of those two-bar quarterback type of uh, face masks, which basically everybody has now. No one has long face masks anymore. But I just remember my chin strap would pop off. My face mask would go into my neck. <laughs> my helmet would get twisted around. And it would just remind me why I don't didn't want to ever be in the trenches. Like, get me out of there. <laughs> I I want to play a quote-unquote skill position. I don't want to be down there with these 300-pound guys. But anyway, yeah, it's it's dumb not to have a backup long snapper. And you also need an emergency. I mean, we have emergency quarterbacks, right? You saw that with Denver last year because of COVID. Did you ever play? There was a guy that actually had played in college, and he didn't embarrass himself. But, no, I'm I'm with you, Charlie. I mean you have to have somebody who is capable of you know, and it doesn't look ludicrous. But every roster spot is uh, is you know, I bet you there's a defensive back on every team that could probably kick a twenty yard field goal for you. But you know, that's the panic. You probably thought I'll let Taylor Haneke, I'll put it in his hands and and what's the worst case scenario? They might tie us, and they almost did. All right, I'm Rick Tittle, we'll take a quick break. Come on back on byline' line.
8: In hey, travelers! land habe ich treue,
18: geschworen, in der Pfalz. Ich liebe dich nun mal, jeden Berg, jedes Tag,
8: Heimatland, du mein schönes
13: Die
1: 2080.
11: about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
3: Uh, Thanks for that. A couple minutes left, an hour number one of three. Louis Katz coming in studio here pretty quick. Just uh, wrapping up those uh, rankings. As I said, uh, Notre Dame was a loser. Oklahoma State was a winner. Cincinnati is on the brink, I think. And there was some debate over whether Michigan actually deserved the number two spot over Alabama. But uh, it doesn't really matter. I don't think so. But if you look at Baylor, what happens if there's total chaos? Okay. Alabama beats Georgia. Iowa beats Michigan. Houston beats Cincinnati. A two-loss Big 12 champion, Baylor, is there enough traffic cleared in front of them that they could get in? Ohio State's not playing. They're done. Notre Dame's not playing. Georgia is automatically in no matter what happens with them now, even with all that chaos. So the committee would then have to weigh one loss Cincinnati to Houston, who would win 12 in a row and would get into the top 10, maybe, and the head to head win over the fighting Irish. I think there's too many roadblocks for them. And you'd say, well, If they what if they beat Oklahoma State one hundred to nothing? I'm like, yeah, I don't think Baylor, I don't think Baylor's getting in. It's these playoffs are, are you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of them, but I'll I'll say this: there is some intrigue in it. But once again, the playoffs were supposed to like get rid of voting. They're still voting. They're still voting just as much as always. Come on back.
13: LSA Radio
18: News with Lance Pride. We have breaking news this hour. The Supreme Court is in session hearing oral arguments directed at abortion in America. The case stems from the Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization, Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart.
21: As to when does a woman's interest enter, as far as we're concerned, it's there the entire time. Our point is that all of the interests are there the entire time, and Roe and Casey improperly prevent states from taking account and weighing those
18: interests however they think best. Supreme Court Associate Justice Elena Kagan
17: to make the decisions that are most fundamental to the course of their lives. And and always in those cases, there was an understanding that there were important interests on the other side in protecting life or protecting the potential for life, whether people saw it one way or the other way, and that there was a difficult question here and a balance to be made.
18: USA Radio News. From city
4: streets to back roads, from road warrior to carpooler, there are some things you can always count on, like the reliability, durability, and power of Die Hard, America's most trusted auto battery. No matter where your journey takes you, count on Die Hard to get you started on the road ahead. Available at your local Advance Auto Parts and participating CarQuest stores.
22: Just in time for Christmas, Mike Lindell has dropped the price of the standard classic MyPillow, regularly $69.98 to $1998. Now Queen and King size slightly higher, but that price includes a free press and pack bag so you can take your MyPillow with you anywhere. Go to mypillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, use my promo code USA or call one 800 951 8175 Support Mike Lindell and American Jobs and give MyPillow for Christmas.
18: Since Roe v. Wade greenlit abortions in 1973, millions of unborn babies have had their lives terminated by the mother. The Roe v. Wade ruling determined it was a woman's choice for her body. Now, several decades later, some states are trying to protect the voiceless babies, restricting how and when an abortion can take place. This morning, the Supreme Court of the United States is hearing arguments on abortion in a case brought forward by the state of Mississippi. Golfer Tiger Woods has reemerged since the horrific SUV crash in Southern California.
23: Tiger Woods is speaking publicly for the first time since the crash earlier this year that left him seriously injured.
7: I was in the hospital for only three weeks. I was in a hospital bed for three months.
4: So that in itself is difficult.
23: The legendary golfer making his remarks while in the Bahamas. Woods saying one of his goals was simply getting outside to feel the sun. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau... I'm Tim Berg.
18: Thanks for listening. It's well appreciated. We are USA Radio News.
9: Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet.
0: Pleasant dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
22: The greatest radio shows of all time USA classic radio theater on these radio stations are on demand by searching USA classic radio theater USA classic radio theater
18: senator Mike Braun the Republican from Indiana slammed the Biden administration's efforts to fix the supply chain crisis on Newsmax mister Braun said that the supply chain is not loosening up
21: he doesn't appreciate the productive economy where I came from I was over there soon after he started uh, serving on supply chain. And we were talking about it in his office. So this has been out there for literally eight, nine months. And the fact is it's getting delayed because there's no measurable improvement. I check in with the business that I used to run for all those years prior to becoming a senator and the supply chain is not loosening up. And the reason is pre-COVID, everything was working perfectly. I mean, we had things humming in high gear And decisions from the biden administration calling a one-man wrecking crew has been to disrupt all of this from the misnavigation through covid where you just disproportionately shut down the real economy and then he tries to sell this sugar high of spending more money uh we got together with a couple groups today on how outlandish this thing is in terms of how much debt it's going to actually Add over 10 years it's closer to probably $2.8 trillion than $300 billion or so because none of these programs ever get discontinued and typical gimmicks, any of their revenue doesn't kick in until years 6 through 10.
18: I'm Lance Pry and this is USA Radio News. Hello. You
1: there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo! I bet that would scare the heck out of you. <laughs> but seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744.
17: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy.
3: Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, Done around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Kirby Smart, as I mentioned, is going to be leading his number one and undefeated Georgia team into the SEC championship on Saturday to square off against Alabama. And um, people were talking about this being a a legacy game for him because if Smart can't slay the dragon with this team, which includes a defense for the ages, not winning the big one will stick to him no matter where he goes from here. And if you think about Georgia and that area and what happened with the Falcons and everything, maybe maybe things have turned around if you look at the Braves. It's got nothing to do with anything, right? Or does it? Huh? Nick Saban is at the tail end of his career. Even though his contract has six more years on it. <laughs> Actually, seven more years. It goes to 2028. 20, I guess that's six. I don't know. Seven more years. If Smart isn't able to get the best of Saban now, will this stick with him forever? And um, Smart has tried to downplay uh, all of this. And uh, he said, uh, when you think about the time that they have lost Alabama... And he said, I don't think there's any overlap between the two. I know people want to make it that, make it some kind of overlap. Every year is independent of the previous. Our job is to go play the best possible game we can. That's what we've been trying to build towards this year. And he's right. How about this Georgia 6.5-point favorite? It opened at 4. So now Georgia is the favorite I don't know. Everybody talks about legacy. Legacies aren't for you. They're for when you're gone, so who cares? But, yeah, this is your chance. Are you going to take it or not, Georgia? Bulldogs? Go back to the days of Fran Tarkenton when you mattered, huh? Or I should say Herschel Walker. All right, 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Katz on the other side. Come on back.
4: From city streets to back roads, from road warrior to carpooler, there are some things you can always count on, like the reliability, durability, and power of Die Hard, America's most trusted auto battery. No matter where your journey takes you, count on Die Hard to get you started on the road ahead. Available
1: at your local Advance Auto Parts and participating CarQuest stores. Do you need to sell your home? 1759.
13: What are you so happy about? I'm on the pill. Aren't you two a bit old to worry about having more kids? Not her, me. Ah, uh, you lost me there, buddy
24: Microband 24 protects against staphylococcus aureus and enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. Use Microband 24 sanitizing spray to keep surfaces sanitized all day. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of bacteria and viruses initially, including the virus that causes COVID-19. Microband 24 keeps killing bacteria for 24 hours, touch after touch. When used as directed, Microband 24, touch after touch. It doesn't give up.
8: Hour 2 of Titillating Sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour 2 of Titillating Sports.
12: Hey! Check out Channel Nine.
3: Check out Rick Tittle. All right, uh, check me out. Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you syndicated nationally, coast to coast out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Networks, five hundred outlets, one hundred and seventy seven countries. Tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, Twitch TV. We got the high def webcam on Louis Katz, who is uh, in studio, and uh, Louis is at the punchline, the world famous punchline here in uh, San Francisco. You got; he's uh, already started his. Uh, his run. What's it like when you do like five days in a row? I mean,
10: it depends on what town you're in. When it is in San Francisco, it's great. I wish I could be here longer. When you're in some kind of weird town, they got you, you know, 15 miles from the actual club in a a, a not not nice hotel. We got to run across a highway just to eat at Denny's. (laughs) It's not the best, but the more time I get to spend in SF... The better,
3: and you're kind of a hometown hero if you think about it, because Cal Bear, and yeah. you know, you think about scratching just to get five minutes there, and now you headline. How great is
17: that?
10: Yeah, it's really great. It's nice to come. You know, it's weird. Yeah, I have a I have a home home and a comedy home, and the the punchline's my comedy home. This is where I started. I mean, it was weird how I, I was just thinking yesterday how because uh, I was just coming through these streets every time I come is very nostalgic, and I remember you know I ended college and I started doing comedy and I and I remember thinking I'd a arrived at something when I started doing comedy and now looking back I was just getting started which is I know it's cliched Mm -hmm. but literally I had that thought yesterday that I was like oh I'm I've gotten somewhere I'm at the punchline and now I was like wow that was just the beginning of something that's that's gone on so long now I mean it's crazy how long I've been doing it. It doesn't, mm-hmm. time is, is a trip.
3: <laughs> well, it's because you're talented. I mean, obviously, and, and if I got to the punchline, you know, I would probably think the same thing. How could it get better than this?
10: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just up there on this roof, and you're just playing there. And it, it, Not that I didn't see the long run, but I just thought, like, I made it, like, not like I made it in my career, because clearly it was just starting, but it was just like, I found this, like, you know, you, you're, you, I found this thing. That is stand up in general, and then, but that was just the start of. I found it. Now you got to keep going after mm-hmm. it, you know forever. I guess.
3: No, it's great. And and Arj Barker told me one time when he was in here that when he was at the punchline starting out and doing open mics and just bombing and and one time he got off stage and he actually thought you know what this this is getting old coming up here and no one's laughing and he said a comedian who he named I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. He said to him, "Dude, you're really funny." He's like, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah, you got to keep writing." He said that one little thing. Did you have anybody do that for you?
10: That stuff happens constantly. I mean like uh uh it's <laughs> I am constantly having to fight back against cuz I'm still I'm doing well and I'm constantly doing a little bit better. You know, I just shot a an hour special for Epics which was great, my first hour special, great. but it's it's all it's still I haven't I'm, and I've not gotten comfortable <laughs> yet, sure. and it's always an uphill battle. So, you know, it's not even like a, I, I think of I, – I used to th- think of – there was a while where I never thought of quitting, and then for the last – it's been a little bit rough for the last uh, five years or so, and especially during the pandemic I was thinking about it. And any kind of nice – I'm telling you, like a YouTube comment. Some fan on Instagram says one thing to me. I'm like, thank you for saying that. They're, they're so sweet. They're mm-hmm. so kind. And it really does keep you going, man. It's just it's – stuff hits you – it just, just reminds you, like, oh – People appreciate this. You're not just doing this into a vacuum. Sure.
3: Yeah. Who who uh wrecked you
10: for the cellar then? The cellar was a crazy night. Um the comedy cellar, I was there uh I went I was meeting Hannibal Burris there for uh we were I was just meeting him there. I wasn't doing a set, and we were gonna go to like a a singles Hanukkah party <laughs> to try and pick up some Jewish broads. <laughs> and uh and uh he um he i and i wasn't i wasn't doing a set so i started drinking i'm pre-gaming cuz i want to go mm-hmm. i want to be drunk before i go to this party a little sure. bit and liquid courage yeah and he's i see he's talking to sd the renowned booker over there mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they start pointing at me she comes over she's like you want to go on so i never drink i never i rarely perform any kind of drunk even a drink in and now i'm auditioning at the cellar and then i did and i was passed and that was fine and that was i mean i don't even know how long ago that was but it's weird, you know, people want advice, like, how do I get past here? It's like, it's all a story that you could not replicate. You couldn't do this again. So, you know, right. I don't know, meet Hannibal there on Christmas Eve <laughs> and see what happens.
3: Well, it's funny now, like, when I hear, like, uh, Ari Shafir say, you know, with Liz, oh, you know, I, he was at a party and he goes, oh, I had a spot and I never showed up. Oh, darn. Like, if you're a young comedian and you don't show up for a spot, they'll never ask you again. But what about when you get to the point where... You could be scheduled for a spot, you don't show up, and it's like ah, whatever. And you're I still know, I'll tell you when I
10: get there. What's <laughs> wrong with Ari? What is his problem? I don't know. What it is. Show up. I don't know. It's your job. Uh, show up. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't even flake on. Uh, don't even. I don't flake on f- shows that aren't paying me. I don't tiny I,
3: cupboard or yeah. I don't. I don't.
10: I don't flake on any of this stuff. Man, you're you're up on. you really up on the New York season. <laughs> I
3: I am. A, I'm going to be there uh, next week too. By the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. I'll I'll yeah. be in.
10: Uh, I'll actually be in D.C. with the So.
3: Oh, with Dave. Yeah, yeah. The last time I was at the Cellar, I was like, I need somebody to, to bomb in, and, you know, who is uh-huh. it going to be? And it was a tell. and nice. And I was, you know, I was happy. You know what's funny about the Cellar, too, is I always hear that, you know, even the most accomplished comedians, you're going to have, or as Joe List said, you'll eat a bag of cheese. You know, you'll just <laughs> you'll just bomb for no reason. And it was a, a night where there was, you know, Ricky Velez and, uh, you know, um, uh, Kevin Brennan, you know, there were just, and then Ted Alexandro, who I love. Mm-hmm. He came out. He was real quiet. He's like, "Oh, my wife's mad at me," and I think she was. And and then I could see almost like a panic in his eyes. And then he had nothing, and he just kind of stood there. Wow. And I thought, and I thought that's why you have to be, you know, me doing this show. Whatever you do, mm-hmm. you got to be ready. Because I thought, wow, that Ted Alexandro is so good. Yeah. And I saw him bomb. And so does that fear kind of sit with you that at any minute, like you got to take it seriously, or you might have a moment like that.
10: Well, I mean. Without having been there and talking to Ted, I don't know what did. And Ted is great. Yeah. But, like, you know, he maybe probably to his credit, it's probably to his credit that he bombed because he would he was experimenting in a way that I wouldn't have experimented <laughs> on that stage. You know what I mean? On the, one of those nights. Right. Uh, you know, he's very, uh, he could be very free-flowing. Also, and I don't know if this is true or not true, and, and mm. Ted, Ted really is one of my favorites, but he just had a kid. I think he just had a second kid. That's certainly taken him a little bit out of the game. <laughs> so he, I, I don't know if he this was... This was four
3: years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well,
10: I think he probably then just had a kid oh, or something. Oh, okay, okay. Um, or maybe not, but, you know, but I'm just saying anything... It can make,
3: happen to anyone.
10: Anything, you know, on one hand, the pandemic made us a lot of comedians. We used to panic. We're not getting on every night. And it's let us uh, be a little more relaxed by that. We can take nights off here and there. Mm-hmm. But still, you take a certain amount of time off, you just get a little bit rusty. and. Um, sure. I mean, that's why, uh, yeah, I was actually, I didn't do, I, I, I came up a little bit early to kind of uh, grease the wheels a little bit because I was with my family in, uh, for Thanksgiving last week, and I wanted to warm up. So maybe he wasn't warmed up or whatever, but the yeah, the fear that, I mean, I don't know, I, I would imagine that Ted's just kind of, uh, and it's just weird with that feeling where you're like, oh, it's happening, and then you can kind of <laughs> dig yourself out, but you kind of can't. Or
3: you can kind of lean into it. Yeah, some people bomb
10: really well. Yeah, because De Stefano
3: are... told me like he, if he's bombing, he says, "You know what? I'm just going to lean into it and enjoy it."
10: Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good like that. I should do that more. You know, I have a thing where I'm uh, many different things, and it's always evolving. It's cool just to still grow with it all. But like, I'll turn on the crowd, and not in a funny way. I'll just be angry at them, <laughs> uh, which is not good. They don't like uh-huh. it when you're angry with them. But I, this doesn't. It just doesn't. The other thing is like a bomb doesn't really. It doesn't happen that much. Even a bomb, you're still doing all right. You know what I mean? At right, this point, right. uh, you know how to turn it around. But it does happen. I actually had a week of bad shows. I mean, this this coming back after the pandemic was so intense. The first two months, we could do no wrong. The crowds were so happy to be there. It was misleading. <laughs> right, these, right. I was like, everything I write is gold. And, like, it was not. <laughs> Very little of it has made it into the act, or it all needed mm-hmm. to be rewritten and and uh, and fixed up. But it was still all going well. And then I had a week, just a week of like subpar shows. The other thing you were dealing with, the flip side of that coming back with the pandemic is people forgot how to behave in public. Yeah. So it was a lot of people talking up, a lot of people just being very chatty. Uh, I, I, I forgot about this phenomenon. And I've asked around older comics, they don't know how to deal with it either. You know, everyone want they want to know, is it hard to deal with, like, what do you do when you get heckled? It's easy to deal with a heckler, they're loud. They're obnoxious. Everyone's against them. You're on a microphone, on a stage. They're not. It's pretty easy to handle one way or the other. But low-level chit-chat in the front row mm. is, like, impossible to deal with because no one else can hear it. Mm. So I start kind of being a—at first I start nice, but I'm still going in on these people in the front row like, to keep it down. The rest of the crowd doesn't even know what I'm talking about. I right. just seem like I singled, singled someone out. And people almost feel like it's—I um, don't know if it's because of the— um, now I'm a sounding like an old man. I don't know if it's because of these TikTok videos, but there are these TikTok videos <laughs> where they're all like, you know, comedian smashes a, a heckler, deals with this with uh, the person. And uh, like, they, I feels like it's almost encouraged now. And I'm like, I don't need you to talk. Because that's, I, I really, because the, the chatter is usually a heckle comes after a joke.
3: So the, right.
10: it, it works with your timing. These, these people just talking over the whole thing.
3: Mark Norman told me that if that happens the little chatter he'll ignore it he'll ignore it he'll ignore it and then he'll just snap and call him the C word and everything just like unloads on them more with Louis Katz he's at the punchline come on back on the other side
1: that's 800-693-8290.
14: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California Blue Goo a try, call one 330 3300123 and you'll receive a one-week supply of Blue Goo absolutely free. The makers of Blue Goo are even paying the shipping. The number again is one 888 330 123 If you want more information on Blue Goo, visit online at ww.doothegoo.com. Now available at Select Big Five Stores near you.
20: You're so ugly, you can
19: be a modern art masterpiece.
11: I'm 33% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
3: That hurts my feelings. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have written that line. <laughs> Rick Tittle, uh, coast to coast, around the world on AFN, and I'm a FAN of Louis Katz, stand-up comedian. He's at the Punchline here in San Francisco, down here on Battery Street, world famous. It's where Robin Williams, Dana Carvey, all the big, big shots came through. It almost uh, moved and it stayed, so that's good as well. You know, talking to... Um, a lot of New York comedians over the years, as oh. you can tell, I have, um, and listening to many podcasts as well. A lot of your friends like Sam and Joe and Mark and, and Ari, whenever they talk about guys who should be bigger, they bring up Louis Katz oh. and uh, I agree with them.
10: Thanks. Thanks. I also think I should be, <laughs> I agree with all you.
3: <laughs> right. But I was, I was saying like over the years, like when, um, Bobby Lee would come in, or uh, Bobby Kelly, Nikki Glaser came in, and now they just sell out. I mean, Sam just did three shows at Cobb's on a Saturday. They added a four thirty show. Yeah,
10: that was that was amazing to me. It's you know it's really hard to understand how big people are, and that was the one that showed it to me because that is a big room. It's practically a theater. It's yeah. basically he did four shows at a small theater. It was a rock
3: venue. It yeah. was Wolfgang's or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
10: But I mean, it. I think it seats about four hundred or something like that, three four hundred. And yes, yeah, Sam just like exploded in the last the last uh, couple years. You know, it's it's uh, exciting to see for him. But it would I would also like to see it from me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it's interesting too because you think about well, Joe List, Mark Norman, Sam Murill, uh Shane Gillis. They all mm-hmm. put their specials on YouTube. Yes. Netflix doesn't want straight white guys right yes,
10: now. Yes, that's what that's the word. Yeah. yeah. Someone who. Uh, there's another guy who does a podcast with uh, List named uh, Ronan Hirschberg. Yeah, movie Ron, they do the movies.
3: The yeah, thing, he, yeah. Said, uh,
10: he said he uh, said uh, YouTube is Netflix for straight white guys, which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I think that's his line. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's true. But you know, um, and it, and uh, I'm looking into doing that too. But one thing to remember with all this stuff, it's never a, it's never a, a magic bullet because all those guys had large network hour specials before that, and yeah. Shane Gillis got canceled which in the positive way. I mean right. some people people think it only happens in the positive way. Some people just get canceled and it really hurts their career. His career probably helped him. I bet he's selling more tickets now than if he'd actually been on a Saturday Night Live because he was mm-hmm. able to break out and people notice him. Now whether the what the fans he draws are like, I have no idea, but he's legit funny. I've seen the the YouTube special. He's very funny. But yeah, it's 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 I think that YouTube special model can work. But man, you got to have a base for it first, you know. I think Joe was Joe was on Netflix. Sam and Mark had hours on Comedy Central, so they had this base, and then they were able to build off that.
3: Right, and then you know I think about uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Ronan, who I I like his comedy, but he he's too loud for me. I just he (laughs) won't stop shouting, and I've said if you didn't shout. You know, I can take it for about 10 minutes. And there are a couple of guys, you know, like like I, write, I like Ryan Sickler, but uh-huh. he shouts, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm an old man.
10: No, 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 there should be it dynamics. Just, you know what yeah. it could be is that also the, the monitors cannot be high enough in the punchline. You really, if you can't hear yourself coming back at you, you end up shouting because mm-hmm. you you have no idea. Right. Well, what's I'm talking about
3: happening. even on his pod with Joe,
10: because <laughs> well,
3: Joe will say, "Oh, uh, I think this movie like, blah, blah. like ah, come on, Rana. But the point is, is that now you can do you know Fallon and Kimmel, and that's one tenth of what you would get if you did Rogan or Marin, and yeah. you know, and then now you know the new pod that that Sam does with Mark. We might be drunk. They're just. Mm-hmm now that has a patreon i mean it's just it, it, that is the it's not even the future it's the present now
10: yeah it's really interesting it's this whole new um it's just kind of a new new media thing where you know and and it's uh it's odd because you see like the vulture.com did your your top comedians to watch next year and there was there were some funny people in there but like th- Ah, whatever i'll just say this on here the the push to diversity is silly it's not representative of reality mm-hmm. there is you're just telling me there's that few straight white i understand what they're trying to do but like i know the population of standups you, this is not this is this is this is not representative of reality there are very funny people in there people that totally deserve to be on there mm-hmm. but the list on the whole is crazy you know it's like they don't no one mentions norman sam and those those three people that you mentioned that are like selling out. And it's a weird really weird disconnect for them to calling these to 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 ignore them. For the mainstream media to kind of ignore them for whatever reason, you know? Maybe it's because they got canceled. But it's like it doesn't matter. It it, it's reality. You can't change facts. Shane is selling out theaters and he's getting millions of views on his YouTube special. That's you have to report on that or you, or you feel mm-hmm. it's uh, disingen- disingenuous. I, didn't, I don't know how to say that word. Yeah. Fake. And you Cal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's but been a while. <laughs> it's, it, it, it
3: permeates all walks of life, too, is that I'm a video game guy. And I remember playing Battlefield 1, which is a World War I game. Mm-hmm. And one time, you know, you're on the American, British or the German side. And my German uh, squad was two black guys and two Asian girls. <laughs> That's what they were. And I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about how they were animated. They avatars.
10: Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's just rewriting history, but that is
3: a little goofy. But it's to make sure <laughs> they, don't get, they don't get into trouble, which is... But it would be like, if I played a, a game that was about the Zulus, Uh huh. I wouldn't want guys that looked like us
10: in No, there. no, no. It's weird. You know, I also... Uh, I can't believe... Why am I saying this live on a radio show? Oh, <laughs> well, I, I just also, did the
23: Zulu thing. It'll get uh, me canceled. Yeah, that's
10: it. They'll just <laughs> chop that up. But yeah, uh, yeah I was just at the, um, the new Academy Museum down in LA. I went there with my family on oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. And the push is is real wild for the—it's just not—it's not honest. They're not owning up to their own mistakes. Because if you walk through there, you'd be like, well, I guess the Academy doesn't have a problem with diversity. It's really been diverse all these years. Mm. It's such a fine line between fixing the mistakes of history and rewriting history. And and I think that kind of blurs, if that makes sense to you. You sure. know, it's like—I mean, you go in there, it's like the first exhibit is like six movies that change— that you can learn things from or change history. And, and it starts with Citizen Kane. And the second one is Real Women Have Curves. Really? <laughs> that's who you to... I mean, like, no was disrespect to that woman. I mean, that woman or, or that movie, because I, really? I, I I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard it's a really great movie. But that's it's a little crazy to put them next to each other. And like Jordan Peele, who I love. There's more Jordan Peele in the museum than there is Stanley Kubrick. Wow. That's insane. You yeah. know what I mean? That's just not. And it's not. I understand it's not a film history museum, mm-hmm. but still, it just like I said. There's a difference between addressing the mistakes of the past and erasing the mistakes of the past. And that's I think, is the problem. No, Man, this is
3: is not going to be good for (laughs) (laughs) Everything you said makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of late night, you wrote a joke for Johnny Carson?
10: Yes, yes, yes. Way, way back in the day. Tell us, please. uh, I wish I could remember the joke. I actually found the the VHS of it. But um, it was just, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, and they would uh, just have uh, kids fill out a questionnaire and answer and make joke answers to a bunch of questions. Actually, for Thanksgiving. So it was like... This time, actually, this exact time of year, probably, mm-hmm. you know, who knows, 20 some years ago, 20, 30 years ago, 20 something years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. No
3: longer, yeah,
10: 30 something years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he read two of mine on the air. Um, and they, my parents <laughs> recorded it on tape and it played on a loop at my, on my bar mitzvah. They just played the, the <laughs> him reading my jokes over and over again. It was really, it was pretty cool. The thing is, other other kids in my class you know they got their jokes written too but they never became comedians so no one uh, uh <laughs> no one uh, they don't get to talk about it on on radio shows
3: by the <laughs> way um I've been to many Jewish weddings, which I love because it's all mazel, and they make you dance. And mm-hmm. you know, as a as a Gentile, we most wedding receptions we just sit there and and look at our watch, and we can't wait to leave. <laughs> but speaking of looking at watches, at bar mitzvah, do you is it the same thing where you line up the watches on your arm? Is that is that the tradition?
10: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there was a watch tradition in
3: well, maybe because you're not a New Yorker, I guess. But somebody was telling me like you would everybody would give you a watch. And so you'd have like ten watches, and then you would just line them up at your arm, and that would be like your bar mitzvah picture.
10: Never, this is I'm the telling first you, I this. heard about this? This is crazy. Where were my watches? I, what do you need that many watches you know, You're an for? LA guy. That's. I'll take the checks. Just give me a check. How about that? What did you
3: clear? Can I ask you what you cleared? I then? have no idea. I can't uh, remember.
10: But it was a nice, a nice. Uh, a l- nice little base to start off with, for sure. And it was a yeah, it was. I studied hard, so I really earned it. <laughs> that's good,
3: Louis. And by the way, when people hear Louis, do they think that's the guy that dropped his pants?
10: Um, <laughs> sometimes, I mean, I am the guy that dropped his pants. I'm just not that guy who dropped his pants. You know, it's different.
3: Oh, well said. All right, uh, Louis Katz. Make sure to check him out at the Punchline. You can uh, see him uh, all the way through the weekend. And um, anything? Oh, the special you said.
10: Yeah, I got a I got a new hour special coming out on epics um that That's should great. be coming out in February or March unless they hear this uh <laughs> interview <laughs> um, and, uh, and you know, check out my albums on uh, mm-hmm. online, uh, Catskills, uh, If These Balls Could Talk. And, of course, my This Is Not Happening that I did, that I'm very proud of that. That's oh, yeah. on YouTube, so the please The double check penetration out. Yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tear you up
3: inside. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes, and uh, I hope I didn't, you didn't think I didn't lead you down the path. Like, tell us more about transgender marriage. No, 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 man.
10: This is stuff <laughs> this is stuff I want to talk about. I'm just scared to talk about it. But the fact that I'm scared to talk about it is why it needs to be talked about. So let it be talked That's
3: about. Exa- if a comedian can't talk about it, nobody can. Yeah, Louis Katz, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back with Open Lines on the other side.
24: MicroBand 24 protects against staphylococcus aureus and enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. Use MicroBand 24 sanitizing spray to keep surfaces sanitized all day. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of bacteria and viruses initially, including the virus that causes COVID-19. Microband 24 keeps killing bacteria for 24 hours, touch after touch. When used as directed, Microband 24, touch after touch, it doesn't give up. Do
25: you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little known truths about annuities
1: 800-760-1845, 800-760-1845, 800-760-1845, that's 800-760-1845. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments.
5: I, uh, I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
11: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: I think a lot of dumb stuff. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. And uh, we're waiting on our next guest, actually. Uh, so technically, yes, the lines are available right now. 1-800-87-APLAY. No alibis, just uh, just a pure uh, ugliness. Brian Kelly being introduced as LSU head coach right now. Uh, If you're into that, uh, you can check that out. Hot stove uh, rumors, as were, uh, you know, a lot of uh, new homes were found yesterday. A couple of big-time infielders and Baez and Seager. But as we sit right now, Carlos Correa is still unsigned. The top free agent in the entire class, I believe. Chris Bryant has no home, and nor does Freddie Freeman. Um, there was rumors that the Texas Rangers and Atlanta Braves are making a strong push to trade for Matt Olson from the A's. That would be, I mean, if you think about Olson controllable for the next two years, he'll probably come in at about 12 mil. Um, and that would be a lot less than a guy like Freeman who's over 30, but, uh, that one's going to break my heart. Uh, if it happens when I say if probably when. All right. And uh, you know, we're very close with our friends over at the Discovery Channel. And uh, we want to bring in uh, Kayla Johnson, the only female gold miner of Gold Rush Whitewater. And it is available tonight. And uh, Kayla, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more uh, about uh, how you got started in all of this, please.
2: Um, Well, I started gold prospecting when I was a teenager. I think I was about 17, almost 18 years old. And I used to live in Orange County, California, and I used to go camping in the San Gabriel Mountains a a lot with my dad. And I would see guys up there panning and dredging um, before they banned dredging out there, obviously. But that kind of sparked my interest, so I started playing around panning a little bit. And then I found out that my grandfather in Arizona used to do some gold panning on the side for, like, a little bit of extra cash. So I went and stayed with him for a week to visit, and he taught me a little bit more about panning and how to read creeks and stuff like that. And it just kind of stuck from there, and it's been an obsession ever since.
3: What would be... Maybe uh, the low point and the high point, like the time when you said, you know what, maybe like, I don't know, you got covered in mud or you sank into quicksand. You're like, you know what, I'm done with this. And then maybe the time where you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest decision I've ever made.
2: Um, I think when I packed everything up and moved to Alaska, it was kind of both in the same moment. I got here and was like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever done." And then also realized that I didn't really have a plan B. <laughs> so, I was like, "Oh crap, this better work or it's going to be the worst thing I've ever done." <laughs>
3: <laughs> By the way, I and I don't know, maybe this is a personal question, but they always say that like in in Alaska, the you know, the odds are good but the goods are odd because there's just no women up there. Is, is, is that true? I mean, is that still like men in Alaska?
2: You know, that's what I always heard until I moved here. But I think there's kind of a fair share of both. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really awesome women up here as well. I think maybe in the past that might have been more true. um, But now I think it's a pretty good mix.
3: Now, this. uh, There
2: are some strange people up here. That is for
3: sure. (laughs) I will
2: not deny you that. (laughs)
3: who, Who is the most off the grid? I'm not going to say Ted Kaczynski, but, I mean, how off the grid can people get up there?
2: Um, It just depends on the area. Like, you still have, like, actual towns and cities here, like Anchorage, which is going to be, like, a normal city. Um, But then you have all these little towns in the middle of nowhere, and a lot of them really don't have building codes and things like that. So people can just kind of live in whatever they want. (laughs) So there are definitely some strange housing arrangements out here. Um, You do see a lot of people that kind of build their own little shack type of deal. There's a lot of dry cabins out here, which in the lower 48 is like people see that as being deprived. But up here, it's actually pretty common. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is due to the fact that a lot of these places are still remote or just a little like they're out of the way. So there's not necessarily power companies that run power lines everywhere in Alaska. So a lot of people just don't have power or they run their own generators. Um, And a lot of cabins don't have running water. And a lot of that's due to the weather. For one, it gets really cold up here, so you have issues with things freezing. And two, it's not like in the lower 48 where you can just have water piped in to your property anywhere you are so
3: it's a lot of it's septic tanks a little huh?
2: different so my first when i first got to alaska when i was in north carolina you know i lived in houses or apartments that had all the amenities and then i moved to alaska and i lived in this little cabin that had no electricity or running water and i had an outhouse <laughs> 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 so it's definitely a lot different um it takes a little bit of getting used to because you have to haul in water. Um, you got to think about things like food storage. Like most people take a refrigerator for granted, but when you don't have electricity and all your food has to be kept in a cooler, you know, you kind of have to look at how you grocery shop a little bit differently.
3: <laughs> so what? I mean, like in a blizzard, you have to go out to the privy. Like you have to like get bundled up.
2: Yeah, like you just put extra layers on and you got to go outside to the outhouse (laughs) luckily right now like I rented out a different cabin for the winter so I actually have running water now which is really nice because from this spring I lived in that other cabin and then obviously working with the show I lived in a tent and then I came back here in the fall and lived in that cabin again so all year, I didn't have electricity or running water, and so now I've treated myself <laughs> and rented out a cabin that has electricity and running water, and it's so nice.
3: Well, I mean, obviously, you're not a, uh, a fancy pants or a, a, a pris. I mean, you are you're tough-minded uh, physically and mentally, but what is one of the creature comforts or maybe food items that you miss with all these privations you suffer?
2: I think... Um being able to have a lot of, like, fresh meat is really hard. It's hard to do that when you just have a cooler. Um, so the first thing I did when I got this cabin was I went and spent, like, a couple hundred dollars on groceries and bought, like, meat and ice cream because I have not been able to have ice cream since I've lived here.
3: Wow. How come?
2: Because I didn't have a freezer.
3: Oh, <laughs> you got to eat it really <laughs> fast. I got gotcha.
2: you. So... The first thing I bought was lots
3: of meat and lots of ice cream. <laughs> A couple more questions here for, um, Kayla Johansson, Johansson. She's on Discovery's Gold Rush Whitewater. Um, this time around, um, you're given, uh, extra responsibility. You're, you're the, uh, the chief, huh? Yeah. What's it that? Was, uh, What's that like?
2: It was good. Um, I think I handled it pretty well throughout the season and I think I did a good job, whether or not everyone else thinks I did a good job. Well, that's their problem, but (laughs) Um, it was kind of tough at first because I know a lot of, some of the guys weren't too happy about the decision. Um, I know Scott for one, wasn't too happy about me getting the position because I think he thought he was going to, be given that position, and I think he was disappointed when it was given to me instead. Um, but he ended up coming around, and we ended up making a really good team and working well together. So I think in the end it all worked out.
3: Have you become drunk with fame now that you're a TV star?
2: No, I feel like a normal person. It's just <laughs> weird having like a lot of random people messaging me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what what kind of? Well, maybe I shouldn't even ask. Are, are you getting marriage proposals or prom date? Uh, you know, uh, invitations.
2: Um, I have people that say they're going to marry me. I have people that <laughs> creepy. Um, ask me if I'm single, which no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then people want me to hire them. Of course, you know.
3: All right. So, um, what would be maybe the weirdest thing you have? have signed or been, I mean, have you been asked to be, I mean, I even, I've been asked to be in people's weddings and things. So, I mean, have you got anything weird like that?
2: Not yet. Um,
8: but
3: <laughs> keyword I'm is yet new to being on TV. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, I know you can't tell us everything that happens, but, uh, are, what kind of thrills and spills this season are we in store for here in gold rush whitewater?
2: Um, well, there is definitely a lot of action. Um, there will be some gold, how much I cannot say, but there will be gold. We didn't go home with absolutely nothing. So that's always good. Um, but I think it, it, it was a really fun season and we did a lot of hard work and a lot of daring stuff. So I think it's going to be fun for people to watch.
3: And then finally for you, um, you know, if they offered you a spinoff, and it was just, you know, Kayla's world. Is that something you're interested in? Or do you kind of like being a little bit under the radar?
2: Um, I mean, it's not really something I've thought about yet. But mm-hmm. if the opportunity presented itself, I would consider it. I'm not saying I would do it, but I'd consider it. All
3: right. It is Kayla Johansson, Discovery's Gold Rush Whitewater these are some pretty tough hombres and, uh, is it senoritas, senoras, whatever, mujeres? <laughs>
2: senoritas?
3: <laughs> I guess it's a senoritas. I, I guess. <laughs> I know. I probably shouldn't even bring up gender roles and things. Just to say a lot of, uh, really tough people out there. How about that?
2: There
3: you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kayla, congratulations on another season and thanks for coming by. Oh, thank you. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Bible.
6: Do you have a home that you don't want anymore?
11: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at yo mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: All right. Uh, still waiting to see what happens to a lot of these uh, free agents. We're going to speak with uh, Against the Number.com's Mick Yardley about baseball and how we're doing uh, as we're getting close to the CBA expiring. Also, writer-director Eric Swanson, The Siege of Fort Henry. Very much looking forward to that because uh, I'm a history guy. And then some open lines. Uh, Miami, the Marlins want to be something and we've seen that they've been pretty, uh, aggressive and today they have traded for Joey Wendell, who's going to come downstate from Tampa in exchange for prospect outfielder Cameron Misner and, uh, then the Marlins DFA would Lewis Brinson, Joey Wendell, <clears throat> who the Oakland A's acquired from the Indians from Brandon Moss back in the day. And, uh, then they quickly, uh, flogged him off to a Tampa Bay where he became an all-star isn't that interesting an all-star there are rumors that Kevin Kiermaier is on the block uh as well it's very interesting and <clears throat> remember Miami uh well with the Rays you know they're bringing in Corey Kluber and this is the 40-man move here but King M who is uh um Kim Ng, I should say, who's leading the Marlins uh, front office, uh, going out and getting Avacel Garcia, a lot of money, traded for catcher Jacob Stallings from Pittsburgh, traded for Wendell, an extended pitcher, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, they also uh, have traded uh, Jorge Alfaro, the catcher, the backup catcher, to the Padres, and that makes sense, of course, with uh, Stallings coming in as the uh, dish minder, if you like, I call it. Alex Jackson and Nick Fortes are two guys who could be the backups, but yeah, Wendell already 31 years old, um, who uh, plays mostly second, but can go anywhere around. But uh, yeah, last year he hit 265 and he was an all star. I know it's weird, but the Marlins, you know, the offense still needs uh, more work to match up with some of those young guys in the uh, the rotation. Jazz Chisholm flashed some nice upside at 23 years old. Hey, uh, Jesus Aguilar uh, could be a middle-of-the-order guy. Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz also. A couple of Jesuses on that team. Misner is also 23. He was the 33, 33rd overall pick in 2019 at a Mizu, And last year at A and AA, uh, 12 home runs. Arizona Fall League hit 205. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
13: LSA Radio
18: News with Lance Pride. We have breaking news this hour. The Supreme Court is in session hearing oral arguments directed at abortion in America. The case stems from the Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization, Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart.
21: As to when does a woman's interest enter, as far as we're concerned, it's there the entire time. Our point is that all of the interests are there the entire time, and Roe and Casey improperly prevent states from taking account and weighing those
18: interests however they think best. Supreme Court Associate Justice Elena Kagan
17: to make the decisions that are most fundamental to the course of their lives. And and always in those cases, there was an understanding that there were important interests on the other side in protecting life or protecting the potential for life, whether people saw it one way or the other way, and that there was a difficult question here and a balance to be made.
18: USA Radio News. From city
4: streets to back roads, from road warrior to carpooler, there are some things you can always count on, like the reliability, durability, and power of Die Hard, America's most trusted auto battery. No matter where your journey takes you, count on Die Hard to get you started on the road ahead. Available at your local Advance Auto Parts and participating CarQuest stores.
22: Just in time for Christmas, Mike Lindell has dropped the price of the standard classic MyPillow, regularly $69.98 to $1998. Now Queen and King size slightly higher, but that price includes a free press and pack bag so you can take your MyPillow with you anywhere. Go to mypillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, use my promo code USA or call one 800 951 8175 Support Mike Lindell and American Jobs and give MyPillow for Christmas.
18: Since Roe v. Wade greenlit abortions in 1973, millions of unborn babies have had their lives terminated by the mother. The Roe v. Wade ruling determined it was a woman's choice for her body. Now, several decades later, some states are trying to protect the voiceless babies, restricting how and when an abortion can take place. This morning, the Supreme Court of the United States is hearing arguments on abortion in a case brought forward by the state of Mississippi. Golfer Tiger Woods has reemerged since the horrific SUV crash in Southern California.
23: Tiger Woods is speaking publicly for the first time since the crash earlier this year that left him seriously injured.
7: I was in the hospital for only three weeks. I was in a hospital bed for three months.
4: So that in itself is difficult.
23: The legendary golfer making his remarks while in the Bahamas. Woods saying one of his goals was simply getting outside to feel the sun. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau... I'm Tim Berg.
18: Thanks for listening. It's well appreciated. We are USA Radio News.
9: Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet.
0: Pleasant dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
22: The greatest radio shows of all time USA classic radio theater on these radio stations are on demand by searching USA classic radio theater USA classic radio theater
18: senator Mike Braun the Republican from Indiana slammed the Biden administration's efforts to fix the supply chain crisis on Newsmax mister Braun said that the supply chain is not loosening up
21: he doesn't appreciate the productive economy where I came from I was over there soon after he started uh, serving on supply chain. And we were talking about it in his office. So this has been out there for literally eight, nine months. And the fact is it's getting delayed because there's no measurable improvement. I check in with the business that I used to run for all those years prior to becoming a senator and the supply chain is not loosening up. And the reason is pre-COVID, everything was working perfectly. I mean, we had things humming in high gear And decisions from the biden administration calling a one-man wrecking crew has been to disrupt all of this from the misnavigation through covid where you just disproportionately shut down the real economy and then he tries to sell this sugar high of spending more money Uh, we got together with a couple groups today on how outlandish this thing is in terms of how much debt it's going to actually had over 10 years. It's closer to probably $2.8 trillion than $300 billion or so because none of these programs ever get discontinued. In typical gimmicks, any of their revenue doesn't kick in until
5: years 6 through 10.
18: I'm Lance Pry and this is USA Radio News.
5: With just two glasses a day, you can experience these benefits right from the comfort of your home. Some people have even replaced their morning coffee jolt with Echo Antioxidant Water. Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789.
1: 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
3: Welcome back to the program, Hour 3, about to kick it off. Well, it just has. By the way, there's a CNN report from Dick Pound, longtime IOC member, uh, about the Peng Shuai situation in China. He says that the ultimate conclusion is that uh, she's fine. He says it's the best evidence we have at the moment. I bring it up because the European Union today said they want China to release verifiable proof that Peng is safe and to conduct an interview and a transparent investigation into her sexual assault charges against former Vice Premier Zhang Guali. The European Union. Yes, this is political. And uh, one of the most recognizable sports stars in all of Asia. And it was November 2nd that she dated... That uh, post put it up. It was up there for a half hour on Weibo, taken down. And since that, she disappeared from public view. A lot of people were concerned. A lot of tennis stars, the hashtag, where is Ping Shuai? And then Thomas Bach, the IOC president, on November 21st said, oh, yeah, I had a 30-minute video phone call with her, and she's doing fine. She's relaxed. She wants her privacy respected. And the European Union has said, The recent public appearance does not ease concern about her safety and freedom. And uh, when Dick Pound was asked how he could ever be sure that those aren't staged, those appearances, who said he never even saw footage of it, said there are a lot of countries where you can't easily leave the country. I think a lot of that is speculation. What we have is hard evidence that that we have and feel, and these people who have dealt with these athletes and dealt with the pressure... And the unanimous conclusion is that she's fine. She just asked for her privacy. And um, it's funny because Dick Pound previously told CNN's Christiane Amanpour that he was puzzled. So I, I don't know. You know, it's. Uh, but how about that? The European Union. Those are a lot of big, important countries. They've come together to ask about a Chinese athlete. It's very rare. All right, we will take a quick break, and then we'll come on back with our number three, Nick Yardley. Mick Yardley is going to join us uh, on the other side. Come on back.
1: That's 800-817-2968.
20: Right now, sports betting is the fastest growing industry in the world. To consistently cash tickets at the sports books, it's best to be armed with the right plays from the best sports bettors in the business. That's what you'll get at AgainstTheNumber.com. At AgainstTheNumber.com, you'll get specialists with decades of experience betting multiple sports at a high level and many sports specific packages from the NFL to college basketball to cricket. To soccer, to the European tour that gives you a consistent edge on the sports book. For a highly skilled, reasonably priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only: beating the books at their own game. Visit AgainstThenumber.com. That's against the numbers.com.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's eleven twelve a.m. This is when we check in with one of the prognosticators from againstthenumber.com, which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only beating the sports books at their own game They cover every sports book worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey. And all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end-of-current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable. Their tracking and distribution process is simple, and the results are real. It's great to welcome back to the show Mick Yardley, who covers MLB. And uh, Mick, uh, we're we're in some crazy times right now. The uh, CBA is going to expire. People are rushing to... Get guys on their forty-man roster, make trades, make signings. Uh, What do you think is going to happen here at uh, midnight?
26: Oh, hey, good to be back, Rick. Oh, yeah, man, we got to eleven fifty-nine tonight, so it could be a very active day today on the free agent market. Because you're right, they're all scrambling.
3: What do you think is the? uh, you know, is there any hope, I guess is what I'm asking, whatsoever? Or do you think that this is just a fait accompli, we're getting locked out?
26: Oh, uh, I mean, I think ultimately in the end they'll come to an agreement, at least before it affects, you know, baseball next season. But, yeah, I mean, you might see facilities shut down for a little bit here in the winter. Um, you know, after today you probably won't see any more signings or trades, you know, for – hopefully a short period of time. I hope they can resolve this soon because I really, I really don't want to see baseball get affected next year. But, uh, yeah, and it's been a pretty fun offseason too, a lot, a lot of movement. So uh, I'd kind of like to see that keep going.
3: What would you say is, or just your favorite, the best move so far and maybe the you think maybe somebody who they overpaid for?
26: Okay, well, first off, the best move, I'm going to have to say, it might surprise you, but I really like the Mariners getting Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. I think that is really going to help that team. Now, I actually have a cousin who lives back in Michigan whose little brother is on the Seattle Mariners. His name hes a reliever named Anthony Macevich. And I remember before this last season, you know, me, my cousin, and him were kind of in a chat, and he was like, "Man, like we're gonna be good this year, the Mariners." And I was like, "I don't know, man," but wow, was he right? And and I think uh, the Mariners so far, Robbie Ray, and I gotta say, Adam, them getting Adam Frazier too was a good addition. I mean, that guy's a proven over three hundred hitter. I think he's really gonna help that lineup. And if they get their, uh, if they get Kyle Lewis back too remember he was hurt most of the year. I think the Mariners are going to be real good next year. Now, as far as overpaid, uh, that's tough. I mean, uh, maybe I like Marte, but I think they might have paid the Mets might have overpaid for him a little bit. But we'll see. The Mets are doing some things.
3: Speaking with Mick Yardley uh, right now. Um, what do you think about uh, the the CBA with? You know, they want to make it five years instead of six for free agency. They want to go two divisions as well, which means that some lame division winner won't get in the playoffs, be a little bit more even that way. Some of the other things that the uh, the union is asking for, what, what are your thoughts on that?
26: Yeah, I uh, and then I, I also heard that one of them was that the division winners get to, like, pick their opponents or something for the playoffs. Jeez. So. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot on the table. I I mean, I just hope they get this resolved. I mean, in the end, they're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle. That's how these things usually go to satisfy both the unions and the owners. Uh, I mean, yeah, what shocked me is I remember seeing that report where, where the division winners get to pick their opponents. Like, I, I don't think – I don't like that a lot at all. Uh, I, I think it should just fall into place based off performance like it's always been. But, I mean, I just really hope they get this resolved because I love baseball. Baseball is the best sport on earth to me. So, you know, hopefully it won't affect baseball next year. You know, hopefully they'll get it resolved here in the winter. You know, we might see some off-season activities get shut down a little bit. But usually they get these things resolved. You know, but, hey, you never know. There has been strikes before, as we all remember. So, hopefully it doesn't go too long.
3: No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, for you in the off season, um, you know, we've still got some free agents out there like Carlos Correa and, uh, and Chris Bryant's, um, Marcus Stroman, Freddie Freeman, any, uh, inkling one way or another, those four gentlemen going.
26: Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see where they land. I mean, you might see some of them get signed today before this, before this agreement. And, uh, also, Matt Olson still out there. We got some teams interested in him. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe we'll see him get picked up today, man. I don't know. Uh, they better do it quick though before the CBA ends.
3: What do you think about? I mean, you mentioned Matt Olson, the Oakland A's. Uh, for years, in the last two ownership groups, they will. Draft somebody, um, bring him up, and then uh, right when he gets to the Arbyers, or sometimes even before, with Gio Gonzalez and Josh Donaldson, they just flog them away and say, "Oh, we can't compete," and they just basically uh, run a mom and pop shop. And yet they are—they yeah. have one of the own, richest owners in all of sports, and they play in the fifth largest market in the United States, the Bay Area. What are you? What are your thoughts on that organization? On The
26: A's? Well, I think the A's—they've just kind of made that money ball scheme famous. So, I mean, their owner must be a real cheap guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're right. Like, they'll, they'll groom these players. They'll bring them up. And then when it's time to pay them, they just ship them off. But it, it's weird because they continue to just compete, too. So, I mean, whatever system they're using over there, it's somewhat working, I guess. But, like, you would think at some point, it's like, hey, we brought this guy up. He's been here the whole time. Let's actually pay someone and build a nucleus, but, you know, they're always shuffling. And, I mean, it, it, it seems like they're always over 500, too. So, I mean, yeah, but it, I, I guess if you want to take that next step to where, I mean, yeah, sure, anyone can make the wild card and get into the playoffs and then lose in the first round. But I guess you want if you want to take that next step to actually competing for a title, you might want to start paying some players, I guess. <laughs>
3: yes, they have not won a pennant in 31 years. Um, so, um, last question for you. Sure. The Mets uh, have made a lot of uh, noise. Uh, the Rangers have made a lot of noise. Rangers, yeah. uh, w- w- your your thoughts on those two uh, organizations?
26: Okay, well, I think the Mets are going to be instant contenders next year. I mean, because if you if you put Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom in the same in the the same rotation. I mean, you're talking two of the best pitchers in baseball. The groom, when he's healthy, probably is the best pitcher in baseball. You know, they got Canna. They got Marque. Uh, The Mets are going to be instant contenders. Uh, The Rangers on the other side, yeah, they got uh, Seager and Simeon. I think they're definitely going to be much better than they were last year. But I think with the Rangers, until they address their pitching and their bullpen issues, they're they're probably going to sit around 500 even with those two signings because I mean if the pitching's bad then you're not going to be very good so I would expect a lot of overs in Texas down there this year should be see a lot of hitting and a lot of runs but I but I also think they'll give up a lot of runs because their pitching isn't solid.
3: It's Mick Yardley. Check him out against the number Mick, thanks for stopping by, man.
26: Hey, thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me. Hopefully they get this strike settled.
3: No doubt about it. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come on back with Eric Swanson on Titillating Sports.
1: please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744. 2080.
11: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show filmmaker Eric Swanson. He's here to talk about his new documentary, which he has written and directed, called The Siege of Fort William Henry, which is now available on DVD from EKS Films. Eric Welcome to the show, and um, I think for uh, uh, people, they hear uh, Fort Henry and they start to think of the last of the Mohicans, there's much more to it than just that, isn't there?
27: Uh, that's correct. Well, thanks for uh, having me, Rick. I appreciate it. Um, definitely, the, the last of the Mohicans is the most popular version or telling of the story of the siege of Fort William Henry, um, and Unfortunately, the, the movie versions are, are the most popular, even more so than the book, which, I mean, was written well over 150 years ago at this point. Um, but, yeah, it's actually quite, a, quite an involved story, and, uh, you know, it's a shame that more folks don't really know the, the details of it.
3: Well, we go back to 1757, what we call the the French and Indian War. The French army comes in, about 9,000 soldiers. They got about 2,000 Native American allies against the British. And what people have to remember, the British, that was us at that time, right?
27: (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it was uh, at the time of the siege and and even before that when uh, there was a, a large battle called the Battle of Lake George, which is why they actually built the fort where they built it. Um, at that time, the, you know, it was British subjects, essentially. There, there really weren't a whole lot of uh, actual British military personnel there. It was mostly uh, colonials and provincial soldiers that were fighting on behalf of the British. Um, and uh, another interesting thing is at the time, the, the colonies, um, they had about one and a half million people versus the Canadians only had about Seventy-five or eighty thousand people. So that's why they um, tried so so hard and were effective to gain uh, Native, Air, Native American allies to help them in this battle, this war. Uh, you know, like you said, we call it the French and Indian War. Um, pretty much everywhere outside of the United States, they they just refer to it as another the North American theater of the Seven Years' War.
3: Yeah, Seven Years' War, no doubt about it, and. The other thing is, too, we talk about Native Americans, um, and um, they would, uh, you know, these tribes, these nations, as they were, they, you know, they were their sovereign states, they thought they would, um, uh, it's not like all the uh, Indians, as we would say, were uh, allied. Some were on the French side, some were on the British side.
27: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, uh, The Mohawks, most famously, were allied to the British. And as you said, uh, at the siege itself, there was uh, well over 30. In one journal, I had counted 41 different nations uh, took place in the siege of Fort William Henry. And some of the journals, it's pretty interesting, point out that um, some of these folks had come from so far away that no Canadians could knew anything about their language. So they had to actually find uh, an intermediary from, you know, somewhere probably out by Michigan, Nicola Mackinac or somewhere like that, who could communicate on their behalf to folks who were even further away.
3: This is something that I've always heard, too, is that when Lieutenant George Washington with the Virginia Regiment, um, what happened uh, as they were going to the Forks of the Ohio, maybe a little bit of a uh, miscommunication with the uh, French and a little bit of a massacre that this, in fact, he started the French and Indian war, the seven years war.
27: Yeah, there's a a lot of, that's what a lot of folks believe. There was kind of a, a, you know, a building up of tensions over easily a hundred years between uh, France and England. And what had happened was the French had sent uh, troops down into the Ohio Valley to basically place markers and claim the territory as theirs. And uh, this, upset a lot of folks in the Virginia colony because they wanted to utilize that land for uh, hunting and trapping so they could benefit from the fur trade. And once the French had kind of settled around the forks of the Ohio in what's now a modern day Pittsburgh, um, George Washington was sent with a, a small band of, of men to go out there and kind of remove the, uh, the French that were encroaching on their territory and you know basically things just escalated quickly uh you know with shots fired some folks being killed but yeah essentially that's the the first blood that was spilled in this particular war uh was due to George Washington going out to Ohio to try to remove the, the French forces that were there
3: and you think about Fort William Henry today there on the the shores of Lake George and uh the French basically leveled it And left, and when did they get around to building the replica of it?
27: The replica was built in uh, the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, uh, it's for them, I think it's, I've been told and, you know, read in a few books from archaeologists that it's about 15 feet, I want to say, to the west of the original location where the fort was. Um, Like the well that is in the. The parade ground of the fort is actually the original well. Uh, And in the basement of some of the, they have a, you know, a museum and a tourist display basically at the location now. And in the basement of the museum section, they have, you know, some of the old foundation that you could still see. Um, But yeah, essentially over 200 years, um, folks from all across New England and New York, uh, we were visiting the site of the, the wreckage of Fort William Henry um, as tourists anyway. And then in the 1950s, some folks decided that they would you know, make it a, a proper tourist destination.
3: And then when you research, what, what did you find out more about uh, the, uh, the Marquis de Montcalm de Saint-Vérin, or General Montcalm, who was basically the commander-in-chief of all the French forces?
27: Yeah, he uh, is. It's quite interesting to read. His journal was actually partially written by uh, he had two aide de camps. So, you know, basically assistants or secretaries, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and the both of them at various times wrote entries in his journal. And, uh, you know, obviously some of it, I'm sure he was directing them. Um, but it, it's quite interesting to see that. He was very much of, he had just arrived in Europe in um, 1756, the year before the siege. And he wasn't really a general of large notoriety. He was sent because the war between France and England had uh, broken out in Europe as well. And he basically was trying to bring European warfare tactics to North America and he was effective in 1756 in doing it uh, at Fort Oswego. And he was effective in at the siege of Fort William Henry. But during both of those scenarios, he, like in a lot of the journal entries, you could just sense his absolute disdain for the Native Americans, but also his reluctant acknowledgement that this was their homeland. This is their territory. So they were much more familiar with the, the best, the terrain, and the best way to basically engage in battle in this area.
3: And then finally, after the surrender, which was under the full honors of war, and they got to keep their muskets and, and no ammunition and uh, one symbolic cannon, and they were let out. And uh, Montcalm told the uh, Native Americans, look, they've surrendered. You got to let them go. But the massacre ensued, didn't it?
27: Yeah. Well, part of the problem was. Uh, that the Native Americans, I mean, they had come from, you know, some folks speculate as far away as Lake Superior, um, and the whole reason they came was basically to receive the spoils of war, to be able to loot the the fallen enemy, and when Montcalm went and made this agreement with the British, he basically took away or gave away back to the British by saying they could keep their belongings. He gave away all the spoils of war. So essentially the, you know, the various nations of native Americans, they, they had all basically had come, they had done their job and they weren't getting paid. And, um, there was uh, interestingly, you know, the native American cultures don't have the same kind of regimented, uh, Authoritative structure as, like, the military, the French military had. So, when Montcalm consulted the chiefs of the various nations, they could agree that they themselves wouldn't act against the British and they could try to convince the rest of their tribesmen not to act against the British, but they didn't really have any absolute authority to prevent anyone from, you know, attacking the the surrendered British as they marched south and and trying to take all of their belongings.
3: Everybody should check this out. It's fascinating. It's called The Siege of Fort William Henry. It is now available on DVD from EKS Films, and we've been speaking with the man behind the whole thing, the writer and the director, EKS himself, Eric Swanson. Hey, Eric, congratulations on the project, and thanks for talking about it.
27: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. I appreciate it, and thank you for having me on. It's been wonderful.
3: All right, good stuff. We have open lines the rest of the way, 1-800-878-7529. Come on back.
1: driving but you don't love your car payment open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as hundred dollars a month or more it's easy to refinance your car payment just call today to get your no obligation quote and find out how much you can save to qualify for a lower car payment your car should be less than 10 years old have less than 125,000 miles and you've made at least six on-time payments call open road lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing Eight hundred seven six zero one eight four five. 760 1845. That's 800 760 1845. You know, exactly. over
7: time, you know, the more and more you do something, Practice the better you perfect. get at it. Just like, you know, Anything. you didn't become this excellent at radio overnight. You Thank know, you. you know exactly when to say we got one minute left. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: You know, because I'm so good looking. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs>
17: Practice makes perfect.
11: You must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Ah, thank you for that. They found the uh, surprise, surprise, the Omicron in California. That's great. It's good to hear. Still keeping our eye on the CBA, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Marcus Drummond, things like that. No news to report. But. When we were speaking with Mick Yardley later, he said he didn't think the Rangers would do much, and I have to say I agree with them. Remember when the Rangers went out and got a rod? They were a last-place team. They gave him $252 million. Well, they gave, as we know, half a billion to two guys last couple of days, Corey Seager, 325 over 10, and Marcus Simeon, 175 over 7. They've already signed... John Gray, they went out and got a fourth outfielder in Cole Calhoun. This is all part of what Chris Young, as the second-year GM, is trying to improve. And it's pretty nice when you have a blank check like that. In fact, it's very nice. And there's no doubt the Rangers will be better. But, you know, if you think about, uh, will they be like the Orioles and sit in last place all year? No, no. But it's just a, the timing of the strategy, the competitiveness of the the roster. In other words, is this the time to go all in? And what does it say about their rebuilding efforts that people like Mick and myself still don't love them <laughs> as the contender? Well, last year they were near the bottom of the league and runs scored. And... Um, if you add Simeon and Seeger who combined for 61 home runs, that's obviously going to improve on base and slugging and things like that. Uh, and, and Calhoun, even though he's a fried lobster of a player, he's very good against right-handed pitching if you want to platoon him. But it, it, once again, there's still a lot of work to do. Right now, their projected lineup includes Billy McKinney, former A's first-round pick, a Texas high schooler. Three unproven arms, bullpen, not great. They're still ample offseason, there's no doubt. And the uh, Rangers apparently are willing to spend $100 million more million I don't know if that's necessarily true. But coming out of uh, rebuilds, plural, do the Rangers are they able to benefit from young stars? You know, like when Houston came out of their rebuild, they had Carlos Correa and George Springer and Alex Bregman. When the Cubs came out of theirs, they had Chris Bryan and Javier Baez and Kyle Schwarber. Do the Rangers have that kind of talent? No, they don't. And so are they going to exec this when the clock starts ticking on this? But it's just years of poor drafting and not developing. It's left them in a suboptimal position. Now, can you still go out and, and buy a championship? Yeah, the Diamondbacks proved that. They bought Schilling and Randy Johnson and Luis Gar- uh, Gonzalez. I mean, name the young superstars on that Diamondbacks team. Uh, Exactly. And it, listen, the, it, the Rangers haven't had a first-round pick become a fixture in nine years. That was Joey Gallo. I mean, what's more, if you look at the next best player from their first-round selections, Louis Brinson, just DFA'd by Miami, Travis Demerit, Chi-Chi Gonzalez, Dylan Tate. Now, they haven't nailed a lot of their late-round picks ever unless maybe one in Isaiah uh, Kiner-Falefa, who's, you know, a, a free agent. Now, they do have guys they've picked in the last couple of years that might be coming up. Jack Leiter, uh, Cole Wynn, both young pitchers. Third baseman, Josh Jung. you got a second baseman in Justin Foscue, if those guys can can rise up. A lot of people think that Jung is the next Chase Headley, which means you'll be good but not great. And that uh, Foscue no longer has a future there because they he's a middle infielder and you just signed Seager and Simeon to the next 7 and 10 years so no and if you think about uh, Ezekiel Duran who was acquired in the, uh, the Gallo trade he also is a middle infielder what are they supposed to do with him now so they have an oddball farm system because of this and with the exception of Leiter who I think is going to be great They have assembled a a deep farm system, but deep doesn't mean great. It just means a lot of impact caliber guys, not really superstars, but guys who can make the team. How many 45s do they have? And those aren't single records like I grew up with. A 45 is when a, a scout gives you, that's your high score. But by signing Seager and Simeon, it's kind of the Angels model. You know, get Rendon and Trout and Gary Matthews Jr. and every other slugger they brought in. But they flipped the hourglass now. And it, they're not waiting for prospects to make the majors. They, they want to do something right now, and, and that's okay. Uh, outfielder uh, Evan Carter someone they have hope for but I mean look the good news for Rangers the Rangers is that they're still going to be projected to be 40 million below their highest payroll they've ever had it's almost like the Warriors where like three guys get all the money (laughs) but you know if you look at Young and when you think about consolidating the farm systems dap like AJ Preller did with the Padres he just wasn't able to get it done so they just had to buy guys and if you go from worst to first, that's that's not easy in baseball. It seems like football is where they do it the most, for whatever reason. But impact level talent that's going to stick around. I don't know. I I still think they there's a lot to be uh, still a lot to be desired there. All right, one right, play a story from the NBA now. Uh, which is not good news if you're a fan of the Bulls or the Miami Heat, because both those franchises—Chicago, Miami—the Heat—they're going to be forced to forfeit their next available second-round pick for violating the rules regarding early free-agent discussions. The violations stem from the off-season signings of Lonzo Ball, who went to the Lonzo Ball, who went to the balls. Lonzo Ball, who went to the Bulls, and Kyle Lowry, who went to the Heat. The league launched an investigation in August to see whether or not it was illegal per the CBA, and what that is if contact occurred between the Bulls and Ball and Heat and Lowry, because free agency opened on August 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern, and teams were not allowed to permit uh, permitted to make any prior contact with any representation on behalf of players, and so the NBA has determined this, and their statement reads quote. The NBA announced that the Chicago Bulls and Miami Heat each violated league rules governing the timing of this season's free agency discussions and that the league has directed that each team's next available second-round pick be forfeited. These determinations followed investigations into free agency discussions engaged by the Bulls with respect to Alonzo Ball by the Heat and with respect to Kyle Lowry. I don't know what that was. It's just for just early contact. And the penalty for the two teams could have been lighter. You could have had a suspension or a hefty fine. And it could have been worse. You could have had all that and the loss of picks. Adrian Wojnarowski said both teams fully cooperated. but what are they going to do? But if you think about during the offseason last year, the Bucks were also picked of a second-round pick when they had early discussions with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Hey, come here, so the Greek freak will stay. He's like, now nah, go somewhere else. And they had to give up the second-round pick anyway. The Heat said in a statement, while we disagree, we accept the league's decision. We are moving on with our season. The Bulls said the Chicago Bulls cooperated completely with the league in its investigation. We are glad this process has concluded and look forward to the rest of the season. That's better than while we disagree, <laughs> which is good. All right, every couple of weeks, I take a look at the, uh, the rookies and who could be Rookie of the Year. And uh, right now, you would probably say Evan Mobley, even though he's missed a couple games with a sprained elbow. He's been extremely impactful, especially on the uh, defensive end. And if you go with defended field goal attempts per game, yeah, I know, I never heard of it either. He's fourth in the league at 17.6, behind Embiid, the Unibrow, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. His defended field goal percentage is ninth in the league, and uh, he can guard smaller players because of his length and the ability to shoot threes. It's almost uh, ridiculous how well he does move on defense when guarding those uh, smaller players. But um, if you look at the Cavs, the Cavs are giving up nine points less than when he per game than when he's not on the floor. Now, offensively. Fourteen point four points a game. Uh, that's not bad at all for a rookie. Eight rebounds a game is great. Two and a half assists, almost two blocks per game, almost one steal per game. But the major highlight for him was against the Knicks, when he punished Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson. Twenty six points, nine rebounds, five assists, uh, five uh, assists, and a piss, five assists, and a steal, and a block. not bad, but I got to see in person Scotty Barnes, who was very good for Toronto when I saw him against the Warriors um, about 10 days ago. He's in the top 20 in a lot of offensive and defensive categories. He's averaging over 15 points a game, over 8 rebounds a game, over 3 assists, and over 1 steal. And if he keeps it going, he could very well win Rookie of the Year. There's a lot to like about him, and you can see why he was the fourth overall pick. Uh, Franz Wachner has got good line, 13.5 a, a game, four and a half rebounds for a rook. Um, and uh, if you think about the other day guarding Durant and Harden and Orlando, and he forced Durant into five turnovers, that's not bad. Um, but still, Cade Cunningham, we have been waiting for him to come around. And remember, he didn't even play till game five with an ankle sprain, the number one overall pick. But a lot of people coming into the season said he's the next Doncic. That's a lot to live up to, even at his young age. But right now, 13 points a game, six and a half rebounds, five assists, over one steal. It's not bad. And then Josh Giddy of the Thunder. He doesn't look like much, does he? But he's the third teenager in NBA history to record 100 assists and 100 rebounds in his first 20 games. The other were LeBron James and LaMelo Ball. And that's not terrible company to be in if you're a young guard out of Australia. The only thing weird about Josh Giddy is that for some reason he didn't go to St. Mary's. Like Patty, Mill, Patty Mills and uh, Matthew Della Vadova. What's wrong with him? All right, we're keeping eyes on the Rooks. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Byline.
6: Do you have a home that you don't want anymore?
13: steel man pills things weren't always looking up if you catch my drift so my doctor prescribed me a little something
19: like viagra
13: yeah but that's expensive and it wasn't covered by my insurance steel man pills cost me less than three bucks a pill and virtually the same effect i just called and got over 40 pills for only 99 dollars. i have this friend who might be looking and well if your friend wants some help the consultation is free over the phone no clinic
11: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: I feel bad about that now. Anyway, uh, Brian Kelly, as I mentioned, was introduced as LSU's uh, head football coach in a stunning carousel decision. He was on the Dan Patrick show. Uh, By the way, Dan Patrick, uh, Sirius Channel 211 in progress. That's where I do my video game review show. Same channel, Sunday nights at 9 Pacific. Um... USC, of course, hired Lincoln Riley. Kelly told Patrick, quote, I think there was a lot of interest from other schools, but again, for me, it was let's get through this season, and once we did, we kind of measured what was the best situation for me. My agent handles all that stuff, so I couldn't tell you exactly because he didn't keep me in the loop of all these things. He kind of calls me when he thinks the time is right. It was obviously after our last game, and we struck a deal pretty quickly. It's always difficult because, you know, things get leaked and they get out to the media before you can get in front of your guys. I did the best I could. I was on the road recruiting and things got out to the media before, but I was able to send a note to my guys and get in front of them yesterday at 7 a.m. and tell them I love them. I love my guys. They know I love them. I think they're one of the best four teams in the country and they deserve to play in the college football playoff. That's great, Coach. Uh, And listen... You know, these whole things about traitor, traitor, it's a job. It's a job. And the people who think you're a traitor, no. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to stay. And then it's like, okay, I'm not going to stay. Get over it. It's a coach. Don't take it so seriously. I'm Rick Tittle. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow 9 a.m. Back time.